All right. Good morning, City Life Church. You all are wide awake this morning. My name is Eric Stevens, and I have the privilege of delivering the last message of 2017. So I hope you all are excited. Hope you all had a Merry Christmas. Hope you all got plans tonight for New Year's Eve and the New Year, bringing in 2018. You guys excited about the New Year? Okay, five people more. All right, so this year has gone by pretty fast, and uh, as I was really seeking God on, on, on what to speak on, uh, the word that kept on coming to my mind is transition. And as I look out of the crowd this morning, what, I really feel like we've transitioned as a church really in four areas. Number one, we've transitioned in our family dynamics. What I mean by that is a lot of single people got married this year, right? A lot of single people got married this year, and I know who you are because every time you walk in, or rather every time you float in, you just got this glow about yourself, like there's absolutely no care in the world. Somebody asks you how you're doing, you're just like, everything's just great and lovely, like you're just in another world. So we had a lot of marriages in 2017. We also had a lot of new babies born in 2017, right? And I know who you are because when you drop off your kids in the uh, children's ministry, you're basically crawling out of there as a parent hoping your kids don't see you and start screaming, right? So we had new babies in, 20, uh, new babies in 2017. We also had parents who already had multiple children, the Stevens, who decided, hey, you know what? What's four kids, right? We already got three. One more is not really going to make a difference. I'm sure when my kids turn 18, college tuition is going to be a million dollars a piece. What's one million dollars more, right? So my wife and I said, you know what? Why not? One more kid. So we got our fourth child due in June. And so we're excited about that. So there have been some family dynamic changes in 2017. There have also been some job and career changes in 2017. I recently moved into a new role at my job, and some of you also experienced some career and job transitions. Maybe you're in the same office, but now you have new responsibilities. Or maybe you got a brand new job, and now you're trying to get uh, uh, acclimated to the new responsibilities that you have. So we went through a lot of job and career transitions in 2017. We also had some health transitions. What I mean by that is there were a lot of health challenges that some of us faced. Start of the year, everything was fine, but as the year went on, something just didn't feel right. You went to the doctor, you found out some things, and so there's some things you had to work through in terms of your health and really believing God for healing for. And we also had some logistical transitions. As Jay Ross mentioned this morning, uh, one of them obviously being here, but also people moving to Houston every single year uh, a lot of you here are not native Houstonians, right? So you move from a different city. I'm sure you were praying about it, saying, God, take me to a city where it does not snow and doesn't see a lot of hurricanes, right? And so God's like, Houston. And you're like, all right, fine. So it never snows, and there's barely a hurricane. It hasn't really been a hurricane, a major hurricane here in the last 10 years. And you're like, Houston's where we need to be, right? And so you move here. We had a blizzard where we had three inches of snow, Right? The blizzard of 2017, three full inches. And so we also had a hurricane that dropped like a billion gallons of, of, of water all over the place where uh, it's funny, in my household, I was telling my wife and kids, you guys just got to be strong. You got to be strong. God would take care of us. And when they turned and walked away, I'm going to the front of the house, peeking out, like how far is the water? I had the water marked out in my lawn saying, okay, this is how far it's gotten. I'm like, God help us, God help us. Then I turn around and say, okay, guys. 
You be strong. You be strong now. Come on, we believe God for great things, okay? God's going to protect us. God, God, please. God, please. God, please spare our lives. What are you doing, son? You better be strong. That's what we went through in 2017. So some, some weather challenges where people were dis, dislodged out of their homes and had to transition to different places. But even as Jay Ross said, one of the major transitions is, as a church, we've been me- meeting at Edwards Movie Theater for a while, several years. And we moved to a, a different church. I forget what the name of that church was for several months before we actually finally moved here into this church building. So really excited to see what God does while we're here, because here's, here's what I want you to think about. As you look around you, this is one of the most diverse group of people that you will ever come across. And I'm always amazed by that because I think this way. I think, does God really have a purpose and a plan to have people from every walk of life and every background? we got lawyers, doctors, teachers, high school students, college students, retirees. We've got people from every background and every single people group gathered in this room. And I think if God takes the time to meticulously put people from all different kinds of backgrounds, maybe, just maybe, he has a purpose for placing us in this city for this time and this hour. Houston's the most diverse city in the nation, and just maybe God wants a people who reflect that same diversity in order to win this city for him. Amen? So a lot of transitions happened this year. And so as you can see, transitions have been happening all around us. And really the question that we have to ask ourselves is, what is God saying in all of this transition? What's God's message? What's God trying to say to us as we see all these transitions happening? Let's pray. God, help us this morning. We need you. We're desperate for you. As this year ends and another begins, our hearts cry and desires you. We want more of you, more of your spirit, more of your power. God, simply, we want to be a people who reflect who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. So this morning, the backdrop or really the context of which I want to speak to you about is coming out of Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. But before we get there, let me kind of give you a little bit of background. So Israel has been in bondage for 400 years. They've been crying out to God, God, send us a deliverer. Deliver us from this bondage. God hears Israel's prayer and sends him a deliverer in the form of Moses. So Moses, being God's servant, God uses him to completely defeat the largest army, most powerful army in its time, that's Egypt. God uses Moses to basically go through these plagues, and as they're going through all these plagues, God's showcasing his power over Pharaoh and showcasing his power over all the God of the Egyptians. So God leads Israel out of Egypt. And right there along with him is Joshua. It doesn't explicitly mention it every single time, but Joshua, Moses' assistant, is there with him, watching him for decades as they're walking together. Moses is his mentor, and he's teaching him. This is the God we serve. Our God will conquer every single one of our enemies if we trust him, if we believe in him wholeheartedly. So here Joshua's following every single step of his mentor. So Moses leads Israel out of Egypt, 
And rather than taking an 11-day journey to the promised land or 250 miles, basically it's the same distance from here to Dallas, rather than taking an 11-day journey to get to the promised land, Israel then takes 40 years wandering in the wilderness to get to the promised land. 40 years. There would be a problem if it took us 40 years to get from here to Dallas. Amen? Some of you women are saying, that's because the man was driving. You should have just stopped to ask for directions. Sorry. 40 years. It shouldn't have taken 40 years to get there. But rather than the 11-day journey again, God chooses to take him by the way of the desert. And it's funny because as Israel is going through a cycle of obedience and disobedience in the desert, God's constantly showing himself strong. He's got a shadow, a cloud to cover the sun so they're not scorched by the heat in the desert. And he's got a fire at night to keep them warm. God's taking care of every single one of their needs. But they're going through a cycle of obedience and disobedience, obedience and disobedience, obedience and disobedience. So much so that it eventually impacts even their own leader, Moses. God tells Moses, I want you to give this people something to drink. And Moses, rather than speaking to the rock as God had instructed, Moses takes his staff hits the rock, and we all know the results that happen. Water comes out and feeds the people. What's God saying in all of this? And I'm sure Joshua was there watching the entire time, saying, what's exactly happening? So here we are. Because of Moses' disobedience, God tells him this. Because you've disobeyed me, you're not going to be able to take my people into the promised land. You're not going to be able to enter it. But what you will do, you're actually going to be able to see it from a distance. And in Deuteronomy chapter 34, verses 10 through 12, it says this. This is basically Moses' epitaph. It says this, And there is not risen a prophet sent in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face, none like him for all the signs and the wonders that the Lord sent him to do in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants, to all the land. And for all the mighty power and all the great deeds of terror that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. That's Deuteronomy 34, verses 10 through 12. And then in the most mysterious scene, God is actually the one that buries Moses. Because there's a a conflict or or a strange thing happening that that some people wanted his body. So God's actually the one who buries Moses. And I'm sure, again, Joshua is there the entire time watching this. And this is where we really want to believe or begin the story of our transition. Joshua chapter 1, verses 1 through 9. Verse 1 says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, Son of Nun, or as my son says, the son of a nun, Moses' assistant, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise, go over this Jordan, you and all this people, into the land that I am giving them, to the people of Israel. Now, I find that kind of strange that Joshua is leaving a funeral. And there's a period of time that passes by, and God is having to remind Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. I think that's kind of strange. Strange. 
What I think is happening is Josh was most likely emotionally stuck. He's still grieving. Furthermore, he's probably still operating as Moses' assistant, even though his mentor has already died. He's most likely in shock. Why do I say that? Because let's look at the verse again. Verse 2, it says, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. He's been Moses' assistant for most likely decades, and he's probably trying to figure out where it went wrong for his mentor and why God was so harsh in not allowing him to enter into the promised land. Maybe you've experienced that. Maybe you've gone through this year and the year started out well, and there's some things that happened that kind of got you emotionally stuck to the point where you're saying, God, what, what exactly happened? Joshua might even be secretly vowing not to make the same mistakes that his mentor did. But the problem is while he's doing all of this, he isn't moving anywhere, nor is Israel moving out of the desert. He isn't transitioning into the leader and the man that God's calling to be. It's ironic how There are things that happen to us that sometimes shock the very core of our being that where we were once pursuing and running and chasing after God and saying, God, whatever you want, I'll take it. Whatever you want, I'll do it. But because of things that happen over a period of time, now we're kind of of shocked. So much so that God has to speak to us and say, Joshua, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now, therefore, arise. I don't know what happened in 2017, but listen, 2017 is over. Now, therefore, arise. Arise. Verse 3. Every place that the sole of your foot would tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses from the wilderness and this Lebanon. As far as the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites to the great sea, towards the going down of the sun, shall be your territory. No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. What I love about that is that here God is reaffirming Joshua's call to lead. And what I love about that is that he knows exactly where Joshua is. God knows Joshua and his people are still in the wilderness. God still knows that there are enemies in the land. He's saying, the land of the Hittites, I'm also giving that to you. In the same way, God is not blind to the things that we faced in 2017. God hasn't closed his eyes to every single thing that we endured that made us stuck. God's saying, I know exactly where you are in relation to where you need you to where I need you to be and where I've called you to be. So he's not blind to the obstacles Joshua nor Israel or you and I have to face. He knows exactly where Israel is in relation where they need to be. This morning God knows exactly where you are in relation to where he has called you to be. He's not blind to that. You know there's an interesting passage in the New Testament while 
Jesus was gathering disciples to himself, and they were going around and telling other people, come, we found the Messiah. So there's this passage in the New Testament where Philip actually goes, and he tells Nathaniel, Nathaniel, come, you've got to see the Messiah. I have met the Messiah. And so Nathaniel comes along, and while he's coming, Jesus sees him and says this, behold, an Israelite whom there's no guile of deceit. And Nathaniel's kind of thrown back and says, uh, do, do I know you? And Jesus says this. He says, before Philip actually called you, I saw you sitting under the fig tree. God knows exactly where every single person in this room is. God knows your situation. He knows the details of what you're going through even better than you do. And God ultimately is the key and the solution to help us have hope as we cross into near. Verse 6, be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. I find it interesting that God's repeating himself here. Be strong and courageous, for you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I swore to their fathers to give them. Only be strong and very courageous. Say, be strong. Be strong. Say, be courageous. Be courageous. Being careful to do all the law that Moses, my servant, commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right or the left, that you may have good success wherever you go. Very recently, my seven-year-old Joshua has started calling me Daddy the Champion. Now, it started off kind of cute, you know, Daddy the Champ, Daddy the Champion. And Angela would talk to me, and, and, and Angela's like, huh, what? Yeah, no, no, you, can't, you can't call him Eric. You just call him Daddy the Champ. And so at first, it was kind of cute. I'm like, all right, my son's calling me Daddy the Champ. How encouraging. But he kept on doing it over and over and over and over. Every situation, my parents were over over the holidays, and he's like, that's your son, Daddy the Champ. <laughs> and my mom's like, you want me to call your dad the champ? Yeah, because he's Daddy the Champ. And so what he did there, as he's doing this, honestly, I felt exposed because at first, again, it started out real cute, but after a while, him saying that over and over, I can honestly tell you that I didn't feel like a champion. And he took it to the extreme because as we're wrapping Christmas presents, and my daughter, who has better handwriting at this point, she's writing from dad to whoever. He stops her and he's saying, you will not write from dad he is daddy the champion. So from all our relatives, all of our gifts that we gave them, from daddy the champion, they would open it like, who is this from? And Joshua would tell him, it's from my daddy. He's the champion. And again, what this did, honestly, is it exposed me because I didn't feel like a champion. But my son is 100% convinced so much so that he would check anybody in our household. He is the champ. Don't you dare ask him to make you cereal. He is a champion. And I really believe that's what's happening here. Verse 6, 
I really believe Joshua is discouraged. And God is saying, be strong and courageous. Be strong and courageous, Joshua. For you shall cause this people to inherit the land that I sowed to their fathers. And then he says, be strong and courageous, Joshua. You cause this people to enter the promised land that I have for them. You might not believe that right now, but this is what I'm calling you to be. I'm calling you to be strong, and I'm calling you to be courageous. And I'm telling you this morning, as we go into the new year, God's command to us is to be strong and courageous. Amen? So how shall Joshua practically do this? Verse 8 says, this book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. You shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you, be strong. Again, have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened. Do not be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This year more than ever, let's be a people of God's word. You know, I have a habit of sometimes during the mid-year saying, okay, I'm going to tackle the Bible. It's like June. I'm going to hit it like never before. Then I find a great Bible app. And says, all right, so there are like thousands of Bible reading apps and plans and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, all right, God, I'm going to hit it strong right now. I got six months left. My goal is to read this word and really get into it hard the rest of this year. And I click open the reading plan. It's like, all right, I got six months. Plan, what do you say? You got to read 49 chapters a day. Whoa, 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 whoa. God, no. I love you, but 49 chapters a day. And then when it skips a day, then you go into your app and it says, missed several days. And you're like, oh, then it has a little button that says, you can catch up. And so you press the little button and it backtracks you right to Genesis 1. And you're like, okay, now it's September. Man, I'm going to hit it hard. I'm going to hit it hard, God. I'm going to read this word. Bible app, let's go. Oh, it's 100 chapters now. Okay, I've missed a couple of days. Let's... Catch up. December 1st, you got one month to go. Now it's telling you to read a book a day. Genesis 1, you got to read all of Genesis in a day. You got to read all of Exodus in a day. And you're like, you know what? 2018 is coming up, right? I can start all over again, right? 2018, here we go. January 1st, which is tomorrow, by the way, Bible app people. Tomorrow, I'm going to hit it hard, God. Genesis chapter 1, that way I could take it throughout the year. All I got to do is read three chapters a day. Use me, Lord. (laughs) This year more than ever, let's be people of God's word. So four things we need to remember as we transition to the new year. Number one, be strong. Everybody say be strong. strong. The charge to being strong is not a call to the weight room. As more as it is, it's a call for us to be strong in the Lord. I don't know where we get this thing about New Year's being a time for us to be strong and signing up for every single gym membership we could think about. I don't know where the correlation is. I do it myself. Be strong. And then we look at the monthly payments. You're like, am I really going to pay $30 a month to go walk on a treadmill in a gym? I don't even walk around that house that often. I, I just walk on my steps up and down. 
Be strong. The charge of being strong, again, is not a call to the weight room. It is more of a call to be strong in the Lord. 1 John 4, 4 says this, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So the charge to being strong is to really be strong in the Lord. Secondly, be courageous. Say, be courageous. courageous. Webster defines courage as this, that quality of mind which enables men to encounter danger and difficulties with firmness and without fear. Be strong and courageous. Number three, do not be frightened. The Lord is the light of my salvation, Psalm 27.1. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Again, God knows the things that you've experienced in 2017. But guess what? As even, even as he spoke to Joshua, saying that I've given you the land that the Hittites are inhabiting, God knows exactly the things that we need to face in 2018. And God is saying, listen, be strong. Be courageous. Do not be afraid. And number four, don't be dismayed. Isaiah 41.10 says this, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. The bedrock of us being strong in 2018, us being courageous, us not being frightened, and us not being afraid is this, or dismayed rather, is this. For the Lord, your God, is with you wherever you go. Be strong, be courageous, do not be frightened, do not be dismayed, for the Lord God is with you wherever you go. Let's stand. In a moment, we're going to have our prayer team up here. And as we pray, I really believe in God that as we cross into the new year, even as God spoke to Joshua saying, Joshua, listen, Moses, my servant is dead. Get up. Get up. Arise. Because I've got some things planned for you. I've got some tremendous things planned for you this year. I really feel like that's what God's telling us this morning is that whatever happened in 2017 is done. It's done and there's nothing that you can do to change it. You can't turn the clock back and do things differently that you did in 2017. But what you can do this morning is you could start by saying, God, I'm gonna be strong. I'm gonna be courageous. I am not gonna be frightened and I'm not gonna be dismayed. Let's pray. Father, I'm reminded of Job chapter 7, where you're described as the watcher of men. Tonight at midnight, there will be billions of people watching, counting down the seconds and waiting for the transition of one year to the next. In that time, many resolutions will be made. My prayer this morning is that out of all those resolutions, our resolve 
will be that we will be strong. We will be courageous. We will not be frightened. We will not be dismayed. Not because we rely on our own strength, but because the word, but because your word says that you will be with us wherever we go. So our request this morning is that you will fulfill the promise of your word. In your son, Jesus' name we pray.